Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business of Sports Tourism Podcast. I'm Joel Lamp with the Huntsville Madison County Convention Visitors Bureau. And today we are going to talk strategic planning. Let's bring in my co-host sitting in frigid Fort Worth, Texas, and sending it quickly to me, unfortunately, is Cassie Poss. Hey, everybody. It's it's cold, but I'm here with you, barely. Um, today's high here in Huntsville has already hit and is quickly, rapidly going down um, quickly, way yeah, too the, quickly. The people in the South, they're not okay. The people in the South no, are no, okay. <laughs> no, we are, we are uh, in for the uh, frozen uh, polar vortex right now. Uh, out in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, we've got uh, Ben Snyder. Yeah, and uh, Cassie, we'll get you out here sometime to talk about the real cold. We had a low of uh, 20 degrees last night, but uh, hey, it's all right. 20? Good night. No, thank you. No, I, thank even put you. On my I even put on my boots today. Like, I'm not talking <laughs> cowboy boots. I put on boots. Like, that's how... That's how cold my feet were today. The electric blanket is sitting on my bed, <laughs> waiting to be plugged in tonight, just to let you know, Ben. Um, and then and then in the frozen tundra that's better known as Spokane right now is Cherie Gwynn. Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's been a little bit uh, chilly. I think winter is here, and uh, I'm excited to do a little uh, trick-or-treating here. We're just praying for no snow, but uh, we, we can handle it. We can bundle up and we can make do with uh, a little coldness up here. We're tough. Clearly, clearly we because not. we are not. No, <laughs> We're tough. <laughs> no, those of us south of the Mason-Dixon line, no thank you. We're, we're done. We thought uh, mm. fall, uh, the day of fall that we had has since passed and now we're into winter. So, uh, I have to go find all my winter clothes. So, uh, Cherie, I'm going to hand it off to you to introduce our guest and talk some strategic planning. Yeah, I'm excited to introduce uh, Eva Marquette with uh, Freshview. It's a company that we have been working with for the past year, um, and they do strategic planning a little bit differently, which has made it um, it's not necessarily, you know, you put it on your shelf and hang it up for the whole year. It's a work in progress uh, it's something that we've not only worked with in Spokane Sports with, but we've also collaborated with the Public Facilities District, so our facilities uh, organization here locally, and Visit Spokane, our Convention and Visitors Bureau. And so we've been able to kind of put together a plan of like how and where we want to play um, and use that for long-term planning, which I think is a little bit different than what we traditionally see in this scope is you kind of create goals and then you look at them, have you achieved them? But this is really how do you play in that space just year around, but more importantly, like it's five years, it's 10 years. And it's something that lives on your desk. It's something that you honor daily and you really get the momentum of seeing that come to fruition in your daily operations, which I think makes it so much more unique than just a checkbox. It's more than a checkbox. So Eva Marquette, welcome to our show. Um, tell us a little bit about Freshview, how you got started. Uh, like I said, what sets you apart in that strategic planning process? Thank you so much, Sheree. Well, hello, I'm Eva Marquette with Freshview. We've been around since 2014 and really 
Freshview started after my husband and I had run a uh, app development company that the technology that we created, um, it was a fast and furious ride to, uh, I would say being in like over our, over our skis or like leaning, you know, over our skis. So we were, um, really put in a position where we had to grow quickly. And I don't just mean in our business structure, but in the ways that we think and operate and relied on uh, uh, support from a variety of uh, amazing experts and people that I really trusted to have not only uh, great expertise in their arena, but integrity in the work that they did. And so through that process, it really made me think more critically about um, so much of my experience with leadership was not just how you make decisions and um, what choices you do make, it's who you are as a person. And so when we pivoted and went a different direction after a couple of years and started Freshview, um, one of the things that I was acutely attuned to is how much uh, the human development side and strategic planning or strategic thinking. We do other development work as well with organizations, but how intricately intertwined they were. And so that was the beginning of Freshview. Well, Eva, thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, yeah, I mean, I clearly we are all uh, sports tourism experts and podcast experts, and we know everything about the industry. Um, I say that jokingly, obviously, but I think uh, one that's of the- not, That's the- by the way, podcast experts is by far what what was we're all experts. At. Was that too much of a stretch? Did I, did I lose this? <laughs> that, I, oh, are you I kidding me? I mean, you're thinking of the future you want. You know, that's right. That's right. Well, as as we kind of talk about the strategic planning process, and I, I think um, all of us on this the show have gone through different um, processes or parts of that process. I guess one of the big questions is what's the why behind it? Why would you, why are strategic planning processes so important for organizations and um, why do you recommend them that organizations go through this process? Yeah, I think one of the things that Freshview does differently is that we're using the strategic planning process as a individual team and organizational development process at the same time. And so I would say that strategic planning in and of itself, um, actually it, it may or may not be as helpful depending on the how and how you go about it. Because part of what, again, I learned from observing and working alongside organizations was it can actually be really frustrating um, because a lot of times there'll be mandates or things given from the top or maybe from outside experts making recommendations on what an organization should do. And then there's a gap between what they, uh, they're they told or um, feel you know they're supposed to do compared to what the organizational capacity is in the present and what it needs to be. So um, we really focused on one, assessing where the organization is and where they came from, and then really looking at what is the future that you truly want, that you're motivated by, and then building the strategic decision-making framework that's going to help you get there. Because a lot of times uh, when you just have a list of initiatives and plans, as we all know, COVID was a great example of the ways our best laid plans can, you know, disappear in a moment. And um, and so with a, de with a strategic decision-making framework, you're able to make 
big and small decisions, running it through that thought logic. And um, I think that can be really, well, it has been really powerful in helping individuals and teams navigate whatever it is that comes. So I would say the process and how you go about it and building uh, the thought logic and reasoning to apply it in your day-to-day. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, obviously we're all different spots, but yeah, I think the uh, you answered that well. So, so, hey, so, so uh, kind of a quick follow-up on that then. How much the buzzword that everybody here that you're hearing a lot is building culture and how do you, how much of that kind of intertwines with, as you're doing a strategic plan, you're also seeing the culture of a company, a culture of an organization, and then how to, and then kind of redefine that as part of this too, I think, because you're kind of building in theory when you're doing the strategic plan, you're kind of building the ethos of the organization going forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sheree, do you want to speak to that at all? Um, well, I think culture is so much part of the environment that you create as you create kind of your choices. And I think like for us, it's been a big part of, you know, hiring the right people. Um, yes, you want the skill set, but it's also looking at that right fit for your culture. And I think that's like a big part on the sports side for us is most people you can teach or be a part of that, but really it's, you know, who fits within that ecosystem within your organization, I think is probably like the key. And then like I kind of said earlier is it's kind of that choice cascade. So a big part of what Eva does is she goes in and you create a choice cascade of like how and where you want to play, where you don't want to play. And I think it's unique because she makes us think beyond just your goals of what you want to achieve for the year, but it's how do you want to play with your business partners? How do you want to play within the sports realm? How do you, you know, go about bidding? And it's thinking broader and bigger terms than just narrowing your focus down to just one specific thing. Not that that answers the culture part, but I think it plays a big part of the culture piece. Well said, Sheree. We start the process by having each organization like lay a foundation with shared agreements. And those shared agreements are what they decide on their own to commit to together through the process that we're working with Freshview, but also in their day-to-day. And so much of what uh, Spokane Sports, I think when we look at their shared agreements from the beginning, a fair amount of them were aspirational versus today, I think they're putting them into practice on a day-to-day, which is really powerful. And we start meetings looking at them and referring back to them. We um, reference them. And I think one of the things about culture is it can feel like this ethereal abstract concept that lives out here that we talk about and you know, know what it feels like, but don't know how to necessarily create it. And it's a lot of compounding small choices in the ways that you're going to interact with one another on a day-to-day basis that create that culture, right? And so by having clarity on your shared agreements and how you're going to treat and think and work together, um, that makes a big difference in in the culture you're shaping. Yeah, thanks so much for that. Um, you know, we've kind of mentioned this already, but 
you know, sports tourism in general, it, it's not a new concept, but how destinations and cities may be approaching it are different. You know, some um, some destinations have, you know, made sports tourism a, a goal for 20, 25 years and they're ahead of the game. Others are, um, you know, newly starting or, um, you know, might have breakoffs from departments to standalone entities. And so everybody's a little bit different. Even on this podcast alone, there's four hosts here that that are funded and function um, actually a little bit differently in their different destinations. So, is there a specific phase of an org- that an organization needs to be in in order for the process to be the most beneficial or effective or how might you know from a from somebody who's just starting versus somebody who may be 20 years in what are some things and and um uh, you know advice points you might be able to give hmm. i think that if the reasoning behind your strategic planning is to think critically about uh, where you are and where you want to go. And in our case, uh, we draw from Roger Martin and A.G. Lafley's book, Playing to Win, which you've heard Sheree mention, A Choice Cascade, which is, what is your winning aspiration? And that is from the lens of the people that you serve. What does it mean to win with them and for them? So it can't just be an internal metric. and then where are you going to play and not play? Uh, how will you win? And those are integrated choices between the two critical capabilities and key management system. And all of the choices you make, if you're making them separately, it'd be really easy to answer them. But if you're making them interconnected, then it adds a level of, um, well, dynamism and uh, really can help an organization figure out how they're going to set themselves apart from their competitors. And what you're speaking of when it comes to different growth phases of an organization, I think it's always valuable. It's um, it's the where the need is and how you might go about it that might look different depending on the size, right? So for a smaller organization, um, you could, you know, think some of those pieces through and you may be testing and adapting those choices regularly as your business evolves, because in a growth phase one business, a lot of what you're doing is coming to form as you do it, right? And so versus a long time, 20, 30 year established business. Um, And so I think it's always valuable. The other piece is that you're not just building your strategy, right? This decision-making framework, you're building the capability as an organization to, think in more integrative ways. And when I say integrative, the idea behind that is that um, a lot of times as managers or leaders were taught that we are supposed to make really hard choices. And so it's either this or that, right? And what integrative thinking supports is instead of this or that, what are the good things from this and the good things from that? And then creating a third thing that maybe we wouldn't have thought about Uh, that takes the best of both and builds on it. And I think um, every organization benefits from learning how to think in those ways together, as well as, as you all know, uh, if you're on any kind of team, if you don't come together and spend time practicing what you're doing, like the sport that you're pursuing, for instance, uh, you're not going to 
have the synergy and connection. And I think a lot of times what strategic planning allows for is for teams to get together out of the nuts and bolts of the day-to-day and really invest time in um, getting to know each other differently, like tackling more complex issues, those types of things. So I know that was a bit of a, a verbose answer, but I think it's multifaceted. Oh, I think it's great. This is not a, this isn't just a multiple choice test, Eva. So feel free <laughs> to use think... the essay portion here. <laughs> Thank you. I was laughing because there's so much work that we do on so many levels. It's hard to put into any kind I, of short conversation. I was about to say, now we know why all strategic plans are 600 pages. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And actually, though, our, uh, but we have a beautiful, you know, 60 page kind of magazine that supports the journey and all the background and all of that. But we also have uh, a two page like choice cascade that is used in reference daily. So it's not this thing that goes on the shelf to your point, because a lot of times it's like that's a lot of good stuff, but not accessible on a day to day. So. So true. And uh, I think I touched base a little bit about it and you did as well as working with honoring, you know, who you're going to work with, like your business partners, how you answer to your stakeholders. And we've certainly, like I mentioned, we've, we've kind of done a collaboration piece with some key businesses and figures within Spokane. But, um, you know, if you're looking to move forward, how do you rally the troops to be more collaborative and more effectively in a space um, especially because there's so many entities in the sports realm. You know, you have facilities, you have hotel partners, you have all these different people that we answer to. How would you, like, what's your piece of advice to moving the needle forward and creating that collaboration and trusting those folks that you're working with? Yeah. Well, I will say that the work we're doing with you with Spokane Sports PFD and Visit Spokane is really extraordinary and innovative in a lot of ways. Um, not only because you're building your individual strategic plans and then a joint one together, but because you're actually doing it right. And when we talk about um, having worked together for the last year, it's not because creating the document takes a year. Um, it's because the one we did have two new CEOs we put into their uh, role while we've gone through the process, but it's because of the intentionality around actually setting up this relationship for success and not just um, a lot of times words like collaboration are just buzzwords, right? It's like, yes, we all should collaborate. Well, guess what? We all love the idea until you've got competing uh, goals or you hit up against issues and it's that can become really, really challenging and very, very frustrating. So figuring out how are you gonna navigate those things and when the honeymoon has worn off and it's less comfortable, um, how do you have the hard conversations and, and really work through things in ways that are respectful for each organization's independence, but also help you stay focused on the bigger picture shared goals. And so that doesn't come doesn't come easy and it takes intentionality and work and you know commitment and all of that and so I would say one thing is to look at um, collaboration with whatever your partnerships may be as a 
process and not an event, making sure that you aren't viewing it as a one-time thing, that it's something you're going to nurture over time. And then depending on where you're at in your journey, um, I would say go sit down for coffee or lunch and just ask questions about what it is that they are envisioning for their future and what kind of get to know their worlds better. Because a lot of times we make assumptions about, especially when we've worked maybe adjacent to an organization for a long time, we think we know them, but you may not have ever really heard more than just the elevator pitch version, right? Or it's easy to just make assumptions. So uh, I think starting collaboration with genuine curiosity or refreshed curiosity about who it is across from you is a really great way to start. Great. Um, <clears throat> kind of on that point and, and talking a little bit more about an organization's, I guess, identity, how would you... I guess, how, how do organizations really focus on accomplishing growth and a, a new mission or vision while still staying true to goals, values, missions that, that have gotten to this point? Um, I know, for example, in, in Western Colorado, we thrive on outdoor recreation. We are, um, our, our fabric is, is includes like mountain biking and cycling at all different levels. And so like, as we try to figure out growth plans, how do we stick, stay true to kind of what we've um, build our success on so far, but still understanding opportunities. Mm. But do you say that you're like, are you being asked to look at it differently from some of those core foundational pieces? Yeah. I mean, I, I know for our example, we are still a relatively new player in the community. I mean, we've only been established for less than 10 years and and publicly funded for less than five. And so um, we're still trying to figure out the best role we can play in the community and what resource we we provide. Um, like I said, we've we've thrived on outdoor recreation, but at the same time, we know there's a huge opportunity just from a geographic location. We're directly between Salt Lake and Denver. And so can we start to capture some of these large youth tournaments if we had more facilities and um, how should we be better representing our community? What what role can we really be playing? Mm hmm. Hmm. That's such a um, big question, right? And like the work, there, it, like none of these are one size fits all answers because there's just no way, right? So like my mind immediately comes up with like 15 more questions to ask you, but <laughs> that probably won't help in our- That's, that, that's not a cascade. That's not a cascade, yeah. that's a waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I do think about one of the parts, uh, one of our very first workshops with, our clients is looking back to move forward. And we have, uh, we built out an organizational timeline um, from the organization start to the present. And not only do we capture key events, but, um, and we work with the teams and the people involved in the process, but we also capture, so like, what were the business growth uh, trends? Like, what did the size of the business look like? How many employees did you have at different periods? What were your, you know, revenue, all types, like, what does that look like? But also on the other side, more of the narrative, what was the, um, like the shared mantras or what were the kind of, what was the culture? How would you describe it as you go through different phases? And so looking back can be really, really critical um, to your point on having a grounded sense of who you are. And then instead of 
like one of the ways we frame it in the beginning, and Sheree would remember this, I think, is like, what are the things that we uh, are grateful for and want to bring with us? And what are the things that we're ready to let go of, right? Or that we no longer are serving the organization. Um, and so I think there's something about even this either or framing, perhaps, of, you know, that um, the outdoor activities and things are central and what else might exist. In, it's it's an and instead of an or in mm -hmm. some ways. And I think um, looking back at the organization and then framing it and what is next can be helpful rather than or what are we doing next? I think that's great, Eva. Thank you so much. And I think we, we get from... From our organizations, I mean, just in general, like, uh, you know, kind of getting to that decision making process, I think is important because otherwise we just, we just keep adding things to the point where I think some of our organizations start to wonder, well, we can't be everything to everyone all at once all the time. And that, <laughs> and so, you know, I think as people start to understand cities and destinations start to understand um, the value of sports tourism. I think that that's starting to become more and more of a problem, right? Because then they're like, well, why don't, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? That's wonderful conversations to be having, but at the same time, you, you know, you kind of have to have those, those building blocks, um, you know, so that you can do things well. Cause you know, again, a, a jack of all trades is not necessarily uh, is, is also a master of none sometimes too. So um, thank you for that insight. Um, how, let's say an organization has gone through a process, a, you know, a strategic planning process. How do they keep the goals and objectives front of mind throughout the year, as opposed to just kind of putting them on the shelf? So they've maybe done this process or they're, or they're, they're partially through this process, you know, uh, so strategic planning can, it's a, it's an ongoing process and should be an ongoing process, but, you know, sometimes you might sit down at the beginning of the year and you're, you're planning out the year or the next couple of years and then they go away, right? Because then we're all trying to put blinders on and we've got goals to make and we've got things to do, you know, different things to do, right? But how, how would you suggest though that people, you know, keep them front of mind and um, as they're trekking, not only through the year, but through the years too. So it's not just, it's not just an activity that they do and then they forget. Mm -hmm. That's such a great question. And I think um, that's really at the root of why we designed our process the way we did, because uh, that's so real. Like that's the pressures you're talking about, the day-to-day -day, like urgent things that come up that are really, you know, important and take precedent. Uh, sometimes over the longer term pieces, it makes it harder to keep the this thing that's supposed to come into form in the next three to five years in front of us. But I think there's multiple layers, like having um, dedicating at the beginning of the year where your checkpoints are going to be more formally. That'll allow for you to have a deeper dive to so setting it up in the calendar, not just like imagining that'll happen. Um, another piece with our uh, decision-making framework is that it's actually designed to be uh, incorporated into every meeting. So if you're deciding which um, contract you're going to take or whatever it might be, you're going to run it through. How does this align with our strategic choices, with where we're going to play, with our winning aspiration, where we're going to play, how we're going to win, critical capabilities, and key management system. 
And depending on the risk or magnitude of the choice, that could be a longer conversation or a shorter conversation. Like we have a go, no-go worksheet that we, or a tool that we use and our clients use to just run it through the thought logic of whatever their choices are. Um, and if it's, uh, you know, no, then it may be worth more conversation. And sometimes that piece you're just talking about on um, having people be, you know, excited about the work you're doing and therefore asking more of you, right? Uh, that's where the, the critical capabilities have to exist. Like you can have a great opportunity that fits four out of the five, but if it if you don't have the capabilities to do it, it's not going to work, right? And so um, being able to use it in your weekly meetings with your team and incorporate it in that way is a way to keep it fresh as well. Um, it's also a great tool to share with stakeholders, especially board members, so that the board is attuned and they start running their own thinking through that thought logic as well, so that there's accountability and not just having the strongest voice uh, set your direction, but a way to have healthy and productive conversations around what aligns with your strategy and what doesn't. Does that answer your question? Does that help? It does. Thank you so much. Joel. So Eva, have you seen the movie Along Came Polly? <laughs> All I can think of is the ferret. And here we go. <laughs> Raindrops. <laughs> this, I was about to say, I was about to say this is, <laughs> This sounds like something that would happen at Endursky and Sons uh, Insurance <laughs> Company, and that your husband is Stan Endursky and you're Reuben Pfeffer, and that you have to go through the decision making program. And if you haven't seen The Long Came Polly, Eva, how have you missed out on one of the greatest movies of the last twenty years? Um, I mean, it's it's a cultural uh, milestone. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, it, ben Stiller should have won an Oscar and how that wasn't the best movie of that year is beyond me um, I, I'd now challenge every listener to go watch Along Came Polly and then I know what uh, I'm going to do next weekend <laughs> absolutely, absolutely and you're going to find out about my good friend Sandy Lyle and how he played the bagpipes um, uh, so Talk a little bit. What's the most challenging thing in your role? You deal with a wide number of different groups, whether it's Cherie and Ashley and their Motley crew in the, the greater Spokane metropolitan area. But, you know, talk, talk a little bit about what you your role and how um, the, the skill set you have to bring to each organization, because no, as I mean, you mentioned it, there's no one size fits all in this world? Hmm. That is a great question. I think that uh, one of the more difficult things comes back to what you were asking about, which is how do you make sure that this is a living, breathing tool that organizations are you know, equipped to live out and use? And so I think Shri could speak to this also, but um, our culture really reinforces like go, go, go all the time, right? And I think there's a lot of energy and momentum and good things in that. And I think that we um, 
in the desire to be efficient miss out on a lot of what it looks like to be productive and create meaningful change. And we want more instant results and yet um, and yet know also that it takes a lot to get to what it is that we want, right? Like on a day-to-day. So I think it's holding space for the present reality and the future that they want and um, being patient, being um, a sounding board and resource, remembering that I'm learning alongside with them, that I'm not uh, coming in to tell people what to do. I'm coming in to learn and co-create with them and support them so that they are more equipped to live it out when I'm not there. Um, And then there's a lot of hard conversations, to be honest with you. That's probably one of my favorite parts, but also uncomfortable for people is learning how to have really tough conversations in ways that um, I'm not only going to say are healthy, but uh, friction. We talked about it. Healthy friction. (laughs) Healthy friction. And, um, and I think that, again, like, moving from collaboration or something being a buzzword to a reality takes a lot to build the capacity to do it. So there's a lot of different facets. I am, I feel like the luckiest person in the world because I absolutely love what I get to do. Um, I'm incredibly grateful. Um, so hard, yes, at times, but worthwhile and purposeful all the time. Eva, I would say too, I think you just made a really good point that I think our listeners need to take, you know, kind of take point on here is when you do the strategic planning, you know, and you're bringing somebody in, like, you know, expecting them to come in with all the answers is not the way to approach the process um, because, you know, that person is meant to kind of be your guide. And I think you, you eloquently laid that out that you are kind of the guide and you're you're the one kind of maybe asking questions that internally or externally have maybe not been asked yet um and then forcing you know not as you know forcing sounds bad but ultimately uh it's it's on the organization to do the work and to Cherie's point I mean you have to have kind of those points of friction and you have to get through that um but the work is being done by by everybody else so you know even when you look to have a strategic um planning session or whether you're bringing somebody from the in from the outside in you know understanding that expectation too it's you know there's not a there's not a person that can come in and then that can write the ship and just make everything great um you really have to do the work so thank you for laying that out well said too cassie i think a big part of ours is we've had to like learn how to walk to be able to run again um and that's i think the hardest thing is slowing down to speed up and especially in our dailies when you know we're hosting you know multiple events potentially in a week um to really have to slow down to speed up and i think that's sometimes the hardest thing for our organization moving forward is how do you you know take time to put the energy into this even though you know it's correct um but i think that's truly kind of been the most challenging thing at least for us on um you know staffing point plus you know we've increased staff so just that whole collaboration but eva as you know our listeners are um 
here dialed in, what's one thing that you can say when, you know, organizations are looking to restructure, start this process and building a strategic plan? What's one kind of little nugget that you can say either, hey, make sure you're doing this or, you know, when you're when you're evaluating it, look for this in, you know, that strategic planning process. Mm. I think I'll circle back on the fact that it's a process and not just an event. Like Freshview won't do, uh, you know, like event-based work. And so sometimes we'll be asked to come in and facilitate a workshop or facilitate a two-day retreat where somehow they're going to have their entire strategic plan in two days. Um, some of you might have been in that before like and I think that there's times where that can go well and then I also think depending on the complexity and um, what's happening in an organization it can actually just be really frustrating so expanding your thinking into like we're maybe focusing on it for this period of time but then we're going to incorporate um, touch points and um shift our mindset towards more event-based or pardon process-based work together uh, is really critical and also um, sometimes the like we want innovation and creativity and all of that and yet we want it to happen immediately and in a one-hour session that happens as quickly as possible right and that's just not how our brains are wired but that isn't how it works and so we need uh connection and an opportunity to say stupid things without feeling judged and to um, explore from different angles and all of that. And that really doesn't happen well when we are trying to force it all in to either a two-day thing or a one-hour meeting. And so um, I just really encourage you to find ways that maybe push your boundaries a little bit on um, how can we create space to really um, support the kinds of conversations that we want because the adaptive challenges that you're probably facing aren't going to be solved in a single conversation. And if they were, they would have been solved already, right? So how do you, how might you explore what it looks like for you and your team to shift your mindset towards building a way of being together rather than just a thing you get done? So, so Eva, is it safe to say that Rome is not built in a day? Safe to say. Mm hmm I think sometimes... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say, I think that this is a good reminder of that for all of us. Well, and I think so many of us live in a checkbox world, especially on the events and logistics side of things where you come in and <clears throat> it's a checkbox, you got it done, you know, or the mats moved in, electrical, Wi-Fi, all of those things. And this is so much more long-term and it's definitely a mind shift, like you said, of, you know, how do you process that and orient yourself so that you're thinking bigger picture, long range, and not just the here and now of today. I, If I could add one more thing is that with is that include as many people throughout your organization as you can um and like our process is designed to include as many as we can and then as it cascades to have each department have their own choice cascade and then eventually each individual will have their own choice cascade and that's you know frontline all the way up to executive leadership whatever organization um, type we're working with but 
I would say that having interviewed thousands of employees over the last 10 plus years, so often I'd be sitting with the executive suite and they'd be voicing these different problems that they're dealing with and um, the ways they're going to go about it. And then I'd interview people and sit down and they're the ones that are hands-on dealing with the issues on a day-to-day and nobody's asking them. Or if somebody did ask them, they minimized what their response was and yet their answers were good. And that's the tricky thing about adaptive challenges is that the people experiencing them have to be the one to help properly diagnose it and contribute towards the solutions. And sometimes the most beautiful and uh, simple uh, solutions are right under your nose if you are curious and genuinely open to truly hearing what your own team has to say. So that would be my other piece of advice. Well, that's it for this podcast, man. I can tell everybody to stop. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, Eva, thank you for joining us today. This has been fantastic. Uh, it's it's a reminder, even as we, it, uh, this is a go, go, go world. I think you, and you hit on that, but being able to take a minute and kind of make sure we're hitting, we hit guide markers a lot in uh, little pit stops, but we sometimes forget uh, where the mile markers are and where right. the the kind of goals are. So uh, this has been a really good conversation. So appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate the work that you're each doing in your communities. I think that's been one of my absolute favorite parts about working with Spokane Sports is the vitality and um, creativity and connection that it brings into our community and so thank you all for the work you're doing and I I hope you go forth with uh, a very bright future ahead for each of you well if you like working with Spokane you'd love working with the rest of us Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but well, there's only one request can you keep the weather to yourselves please the, don't send that down here again. Sharing I, is caring. <laughs> this, is, this is your warning. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Eva. It was very insightful as always. And, you know, I think it's been really rewarding for us uh, to be able to work with you. And uh, honestly, it's it's been a whole different um, planning process than I think what we ever anticipated, but, um, the outcome is going to be well worth it. And it's not just one, the outcome long lives past us. Um, and so the nice thing about this is it's, you know, feeding the future generations of, you know, how and how and where, you know, Spokane sports wants to play. So thank you for helping us through this and being a guest on our show. You're welcome. And thank you for letting myself and the team walk alongside you. It's been really awesome. So appreciate you a lot, Sheree. All right. Wrap up question. All right. So uh, I'm going to go with the World Series right now. It's down to two teams. Ben, who do you, who, what's your prediction? What's the outcome? How many games? What are you thinking here? I mean, this is such a surprising World Series uh, matchup. I don't think even anyone at the start of the playoffs would have guessed that it's D-backs versus the Rangers. But, um, you know, 
I while Texas was really impressive to go into Houston and win game six and seven, and being from the Philly area, like for D backs to go into Philly and win two just shows their scrappiness. And I don't think they're gonna ever concede. I think they're gonna figure a way out to to win it all. So I'm gonna go D backs in seven. Oh, in seven. Yep. I like it. All right, Joel, what's your prediction? I, I I don't know because I've been following the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are five and uh, six and two, one of the best records in the NFL. Didn't know y'all knew that or not. Ugh, big day, big day in Duval going up to Pittsburgh. So uh, you know, took the terrible towels away from them, Ben. Um, so uh, I've I've gotten lost on this baseball playoffs, and then uh, I did a little research, and so uh, I have been impressed with the. Uh, what I have uh, read about this Arizona team and they staved off a collapse at the end of the season to get the last wild card. And now all of a sudden they're playing lights out. They've uh, found a way to uh, they're finding ways to win when you don't expect them to. And they've been completely overlooked. And despite the Rangers spending a gajillion dollars in the off season to get Jacob DeGrom and you get, what you get with him is three months. So somebody's going to figure that out and just decide his season doesn't start until August. And then he's going to be lights out. But that's, I mean, I feel bad. He's, he's a hall of fame pitcher, but that will never make the hall of fame because he can't stay healthy. So uh, I'll go with the Diamondbacks and uh, they will take it in six. They'll, it'll go back to Arlington. Okay. Cassie, uh, you were at the game, uh, obviously hometown favorite. I'm guessing, I think we might know your answer, but. Yeah, I I mean, I I think that my co-hosts have some fair points, but you're wrong. Um, I think that. uh, (laughs) Wow. Wow. Just coming out, just coming out and saying it. Look, I think, um, uh, look, credit to the Arizona Diamondbacks, but uh, I think there's something special going on with, with the Rangers here. And so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Rangers. I do think that they'll, I think that um, selfishly, I hope they, uh, this goes through at least six, if not seven, but I'd like it to be done in six, Uh, you know, winning here at home, uh, you know, from a, from a franchise history, um, you know, the Rangers are, are one of, <clears throat> I think, only three or four in in um, the MLB that have not won a World Series in franchise history. So I think something special is going on here. And uh, so they they are my pick. I think that um, I think that they'll get it done in six. You look at the batting averages in in uh, between the two teams, and uh, it's lights out um, with, for the Rangers. So um, I think you're you're going to see more of what happened in Game One, and uh, it's it's going to be uh, there's going to be some fireworks. I'm excited for it. I thought I thought they won in 2011. Oh oh David oh Free, wow right. wow shots fired, Ben. You're lucky that wow. we're you're. You're lucky that we're virtual today. There's a reason, everybody, there's a reason why we do this podcast, not only virtual, just because of our, of where our wow. destinations are. I think if we were all in the same room, it would just not be great. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd reach that across was... there. <laughs> I saw some laser eyes kind of come through the screen right there. Yeah. Wow. yeah that's, that's I, didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think anybody was going to go back that far, but 
Jeez Louise, how? You know, Ooh. I feel here, everybody that, that cannot see this podcast since we are an audio medium here, Ben has grown a beard and it has made him very sassy. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the beard thing, Ben, but you need to reel it back. <laughs> Can't help it. Can't help it. All right, Eva, we're going to put you on the spot. Uh, we got Texas. We got the Diamondbacks. You got a favorite. You can throw a dart at it. You got some predictions. What are you thinking? Well, I think I'm going to go with the Rangers. Cassie yes. Mays. <laughs> that one. And those, those laser eyes that I just saw, I feel like I could feel the heat passing through the virtual uh, medium. So I'm going to go with the Rangers. Way to go. Way to go. That's Bye. fine, Eva. That's fine. You just know your Super Bowl dreams run through Duval County, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joel, on that note, we did a earlier episode, we did our Super Bowl predictions and I had uh, Jags and Lions and they're both. Hey, we're so, hey, if we can get Kansas City to lose one more game, big boy, we're going to that number one seed in the AFC runs through Everbank Stadium. I heard hey, Taylor, she just had to shake it off. I heard Trevor Lawrence reach out to Taylor Swift. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, if that happens, listen, they'll they'll have to Jacksonville's got to build a new stadium anyway. They may burn this one down in celebration. So Oh man, that was that was fun yesterday watching uh watching the boys take that one to Pittsburgh. So Shree, who you got? Shree, Shree, who do you have? You know, you know, I'm still waiting for the Mariners to get to a World Series. I know it's not <laughs> happening this year, Avi, but they are actually Cassie, one of the okay. teams that has never made it to the World Series. <laughs> I mean, okay, that we gotta stay my this, first this point, year. But, but yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting for them to get there. So uh, I thought the Mariners were a Triple A team. Yeah, right now they're, they're just they're just the feeder team. <laughs> they feed the Texas Rangers, so I might as well go with, with Texas, man. I feel like they're just the farm team for Texas. So <laughs> better make some girl alliance here, and we'll go with Texas. Yes, okay. like it. <laughs> so, so the girls go Texas, the guys go Arizona. We'll see yeah. how this one goes. Oh boy. There's a lot of jokes that go right here, and I'm going to refrain from all of them right here. <laughs> Good call. Good call, Joel. Good call. <laughs> I don't want her, I don't want our podcast to get canceled. Yeah, I'm glad Eva's here so we don't have to have those really hard conversations. Um, <laughs> well, uh Eva again, thank you for joining us this week. Uh it's it's fantastic having you on and uh, appreciate the work that you're doing uh in this strategic planning realm and uh look forward to seeing big things from Fresh View in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eva. Bye. Thank you, Eva. All right, do you, well, uh, do you want to plug any social media, website, anything like that, Eva? Uh, you can check out our website at www.afreshview, A-F-R-E-S-H-V-U-E.com. And there is, if you scroll to the bottom, you can send us a note. Fantastic. Thank you for dropping that in there. All right. So uh, that's it for uh, this this episode. We will be dropping another episode in roughly two weeks. 
Um, so for my compadres, I'll give everybody a little shout out here to drop your social handles. We'll start with uh, our today's host uh, with the most, uh, Cherie. Yeah, you can follow us at Spokane Sports. You can hit us up on Insta and LinkedIn and follow all the great things that are happening here in Spokane. Uh, Cassie? Yeah, you can uh, find Forward Sports on any major social media network and go ahead and give us a follow to see what we've got going on um, in this destination and uh, what's some exciting announcements that are that are about to come out. So go ahead and, and right. click that follow. Are y'all in truth social too? Truth social? <laughs> what? I'm kidding. That's Trump's thing. Come on. Oh, God. The, the, the only one that he's on. <laughs> Remember when we said that we were going to say things to like get cut yeah. from syndication one, and boom, I will, there it I wanted, comes. Well, I wanted to throw that one in there since we didn't make any ocean jokes today. Oh, so. first the rain, oh, oh, now the oceans. I mean, wow. Boy, how deep into the podcast did we have to go to bring up uh, uh, the uh, Gulf of Mexico? Gulf, Gulf of Mexico. But, by the way, guys. this is the first time. This is the first time since uh, we did all get together near an actual ocean um so that was uh that was actually uh, a good kind of segue there uh ben uh your socials yeah find us at grand junction sports on uh website and all of our social media outlets and then uh you can find uh me at joel lamp on x slash twitter slash whatever elon's calling it today um as well as linkedin um feel free to shoot any of us a note uh thoughts uh about the podcast and future episodes um we look forward to hearing from you to see what the what topics you you want us to tackle um in this uh virtual realm for uh my co-host i am signing off we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks you're listening to business of sports tourism podcast We'll